Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a curious little item. If you'll come over here, follow me to this display case where we have an array of antique and vintage lighters. If you'll take a look at this one over here in particular, this one has seen its fair share of adventures if you look it is a little bit tarnished a little bit rusted caked with dirt but this a handy thing to have in a pinch starting a fire and whatnot sterilizing sharp objects for field surgery in the middle of the woods the uses of a lighter like this are endless and it is an item like this that reminds me of a story and that story is at the center of our episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Shutter Original Quicksand. So Quicksand's a movie that I I saw it was coming out. Uh, I watched the trailer uh, maybe a month or two ago, and I thought, okay, this is one of those movies that plays off of one of those great childhood fears. Dark closets, under the bed, things like that. Quicksand. And I love the uh, John Mulaney stand-up bit that has been turned into a meme time and again over the years. But uh, he's talking about growing up, and he says, I always thought that quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem than it turned out to be. Uh, hilarious bit. And it is so true because when you were a kid growing up, watching TV through the 60s, 70s, into the 80s, watching cartoons, uh, there was always something going on with quicksand. And as a kid growing up, I thought this is going to be a real problem now and well into the future for me. Now, little did I know or any of us know that uh, quicksand's not all it's cracked up to be. And they even addressed this in this quicksand. And we'll kind of get into all of that uh, here in a little bit. But but I saw this movie was coming out and without knowing anything much more about it, I thought, okay, this is interesting. It's an interesting idea, whether they really pull it off, because this is Shudder. It's horror. I know Shudder delves into thriller as well. Uh, but but for my money, I'm getting Shudder for the horror movies. And Shudder has a habit of getting movies that really don't lean into horror and are straight up thrillers or straight up action movies. And like I said, for my money, I'm getting Shudder to be scared. I'm getting Shudder to watch horror movies. And when you get a movie that kind of feels like it should be a horror movie... And you find out it's it's not at all. Like uh, the movie Burial, starring Charlotte Vega and Tom Felton of uh, Harry Potter fame. I, I thought this is going to be cool. U.S. World War II allies taking on Nazi werewolf fighters. I thought it meant literal werewolf fighters when it turned out to be a not so much like literal werewolves, but a group of fighters called werewolves and and it was just you know it was a gory movie it had a lot of blood and guts and some really gnarly special effects of, of people having parts of their bodies blown off stuff like that it was really good in that regard but not a horror movie at all 
It was a, an action drama, a period piece drama, maybe a bit of a thriller, but not horror at all. And that's what I was worried about with Quicksand. Is it going to have any elements of horror to this? I mean, I know there's, you know, it's kind of leans into that subgenre of horror, survival horror. But even then, to, to pull off survival horror, you gotta have some, you've got to have some thrills. You've got to have something going on that makes me anxious for what is happening some some real stakes to the fates of whoever your protagonists are and was this movie going to have those things to even make it fit into that subgenre of horror as a survival horror film uh, we're going to talk about all these things and before we get into the spoilery section i will kind of give you a brief synopsis of the movie if you haven't watched it and you're kind of on the fence it is about this married couple but their marriage is on the decline they've been separated probably heading towards divorce they don't like each other they don't like being around each other at least the wife sophia doesn't like being around her estranged husband josh but they get talked into coming down to Columbia, where she is from, so she can speak at a medical convention because she, they're both doctors, but she put her practice aside so she could be a stay-at-home mom once they had a couple kids. And she really starts to resent this. And I think that is a big problem and a big rift between these two. And really, when you're watching this movie, the first scene you get with the the couple, they're in this car driving to their hotel in Columbia, and they have these really nice shots of the rearview mirror. And you see these two actors in the back seat, the one on one side of the mirror, the other on the other side of the mirror. And I don't know whether it's a like a partition in the car or a headrest or something, but there is a big black space in between these two characters, this big rift. And without even knowing anything about the characters in this first scene, I don't think I'm giving away too much, but you know, I mean, you see shots of the the wedding rings, but they're not, they're sitting far apart. They're not talking to each other. You have this like visual cue that there is a separation between these two characters. And without even really getting any exposition, you kind of got where these these two are at in their relationship. And I thought that was a really interesting part of the really good uh, cinematography. I've heard some people reviewing this movie and, you know, maligning the cinematography. Uh, there have been others that have praised it. I thought the cinematography was pretty good for what this movie was. And it was shots like that that were interesting and told a story without ever getting a single word of dialogue or exposition that made this movie visually more interesting then, then maybe I felt it was otherwise. But you have these two, they're coming to Columbia and they end up going on a hike. They end up being chased by a guy who's who's trying to rob them into an area of the woods that not even the, the locals go into. The locals are afraid of it, La Arena, because it's full of quicksand and snakes. And if you've watched the trailer and the name of the movie would suggest that they both end up in quicksand and it is a fight for survival to the end of the movie. Now, if you haven't watched this yet and you don't want anything spoiled for you, uh, I will talk spoilers here in a second, but I think the movie is worth watching. It's an okay movie. It's not great. It's borderline whether I, I don't know whether I think it's a good movie. I think it's a, it's an all right movie. It's a movie I, I enjoyed well enough. 
I don't think it's a bad movie, but I could see, you know, if somebody could make the case for thinking it's a bad movie. And I, I couldn't disagree with their opinion on that because this bordered for me. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was somewhere right in the middle, teetering on that line. And it's not because of anything other than I just don't think it went far enough in some things. I thought the acting was good. I thought the direction was good. The pacing was good. I mean, it's only like an 85 minute movie it's under an hour and a half and the pacing was pretty good there were moments where it looked like it was slowing down to a point where you're gonna get bored but then they they cut and they go to the next scene i thought that was a really smart on the director andres beltran uh, on his part i think that some of the elements of the movie are a little bit far-fetched and i am a huge champion of suspension of disbelief <laughs> but even some of these things were just a little far-fetched and uh, i chalk that up to the writing even though i do respect the writer matt pitts and we'll, we'll talk about all these these actors and, and those involved with that once we get into the spoiler section but ultimately it's not a horrible movie it's worth the watch, and if you've got Shudder, I would suggest watching it. It's it's enough of a survival horror, or at least a survival thriller, that uh, you know you you start to care about these characters, even though they're a little annoying at first. But it's worth the watch. So go watch it if you haven't watched it yet, and come back and listen to my thoughts when we get into the spoilery section. And for those of us who have watched it, or maybe you just don't give a shit one way or the other, and you're going to press on anyway, let's press on. So first off, we're going to talk about some of the, the actors. And, you know, a lot of these actors, I think we're going to talk more about the characters because the actors I was not terribly familiar with. And there's not a huge cast in this. The cast is actually quite small. And we're only really going to talk about the two main characters. Uh, there's another actor, uh, Sebastian Islava. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correct. He had a, a small, like, you know, secondary role. Uh, not a huge role. But what he did in it, he did a really good job. I, I liked this character. I almost wish the character was in a little more. I liked him as an actor portraying this character. I would have liked to see a little more of him. But he's just not in the film that much. And really is just kind of there to facilitate the end that we get. So, you know, again, I'm not going to talk about this character very much. But our two main characters, Sophia and Josh, are played by Carolina Gaetan and Alan Hocko. Now, Carolina Gaetan, uh, an actress I'm not familiar with at all. You know, she's got a, a huge body of work. She's done a lot of stuff. She's a Colombian actress. So she's done a lot of work uh, in South America, but just not somebody I'm uh, familiar with here in the States. Although, if you did watch that uh, Disney movie Encanto, she does play the voice of Peppa, which I never watched that movie. My wife did, so she'd probably know who I'm talking about. I have no idea who I'm talking about, but I really enjoyed her performance. I thought she did a really good job because from the first scene we get of her where they're in the car, it's not the first scene in the movie, and we'll get to that in a second, but it's the first scene we get with her and Josh, the Sophia character and Josh. She's just very distant, and she's kind of a bitch to Josh. When he's just trying to, to be nice and trying to be cordial with her and she's just very standoffish and very like she doesn't want to be here. And, and that's understandable because she is estranged from her husband. 
she and he are separated. They're heading towards divorce. Uh, she doesn't want to be on this trip with him, but she wants to restart her medical practice. And this is a, a great jumping off point for her to do just that, speaking at this medical conference down in Columbia. And she does a really good job of that, like being standoffish. But as we get to see these two characters together, trapped in quicksand, and they have no choice but to to get along to try and survive together uh we we find reasoning for why she has this disdain for him this distance from him why the separation and it all ties into her her medical career part of me read into the subtext that maybe she blames josh for her medical career being given up because she's the one that had to stay home with kids and be a stay-at-home mom now alan hocko who plays josh i really liked him in this role because he, he really did play like the caring, concerning husband who just wants to get his wife back. You find out later on in the movie that, you know, he has his vices and demons as well when they're in the quicksand and she's starting to get bit by these fire ants. You know, he pulls out a bottle of uh, liquor from his pocket and, and she's like, her first thing is, you didn't think to bring granola bars, but you brought alcohol because he was a recovering alcoholic, but he's apparently fallen off the wagon. And she never realized this because it's been months because of the pressure at work. The pressure of their relationship has driven him back to drinking. Uh, again, a point in the story where they didn't really make a big deal of it. It felt like that was just kind of added in the story just so he would have some alcohol on it to get these fire ants off of her because we wanted to have a scene where there's some fire ants. It would have been interesting if they would have delved into that being a reason why their relationship went the way it did and went south. But Alan Hocko does a good job with making you care about the Josh character. If anything, at the beginning of this, it does really paint her as kind of the kind of the bitch and him kind of the innocent uh, husband whose wife is leaving him for no reason. I wish they would have made that a little more ambiguous, maybe made it a little more of, you know, he's got faults too. It didn't really feel like it focused on that. It was just all kind of one-sided, her leaving him, him not wanting her to go, uh, you know, all her faults, not his fault. I would like to have seen it be a little more two-sided because that's more close to reality. There's three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the truth. And it usually takes two to ruin a relationship. But for what the character called for, I thought Alan Hocko did a really good job with his character as well. And again, another actor I'm not terribly familiar with. I mean, he's done uh, several things, several movies and TV series, but just nothing... I am terribly familiar with, although he does remind me. He looks like Dylan McDermott. I was catching some real Dylan McDermott vibes from Alan Hocko. But this movie, for the bulk of it, I mean, the first act, we're getting them to Columbia, getting them into the, the quicksand. And once they're in the quicksand, that's really when kind of the story begins because that's where, you know, they're kind of forced to confront their relationship, confront the problems within their relationship. I wish they would have delved a little more into some of that stuff because ultimately I found the drama of these two people's relationship more interesting than the horror that they're supposed to be going through. And they try to add bits of horror to it. Uh, the very first scene in the movie, probably one of the more scary scenes in the movie, you've got these two men. And the thing about this movie is it's set in Colombia, and you have at moments where 
the actors are speaking Spanish and you get subtitles. Then you have moments where they're speaking Spanish, you have no subtitles. And you're kind of put in the position of a third party away from everything who doesn't know what's going on, but you're just trying to read the cues, vocal cues, the the facial cues. You know, if you don't know Spanish, you're set like right in the middle of this conversation that you don't know what's going on. Those were some interesting moments, but for the most part, it is in English. But this first scene are these two men speaking in Spanish and you read through the subtitles unless you can speak Spanish that they are usually out stealing wallets and stuff from tourists but they're in the the woods trying to find snakes they're hunting for snakes because the venom and the skins are worth a lot more than the wallets than the, that they get from tourists. And you have this like almost a chase scene where this guy is running and or, or walking fast. And, you know, he's it feels like he's being followed by something. And Andres Beltran did a really good job with setting the tension in that first scene and making it feel like something is chasing him moment. And I really wish there was more of that in this movie, more tension building like that, because that's the only real moments of tension that we get from this movie. There's a couple slight moments in the quicksand pit, but for the most part, that was probably the scariest part of the movie. And it wasn't that scary. Like I said, it built some tension. It was very interesting and kind of got you on edge, but... It didn't really have any scare that paid off. Then, of course, the one gentleman uh, resurfaces uh, later. He's trying to steal Sophia and Josh's vehicle. The other guy ends up, we find out that he starved to death because he fell into the quicksand pit. And the same one that Josh and Sophia happen to fall into. And, of course, they use his backpack and his shotgun to help them survive. But, yeah, that was probably one of the scariest moments of the movie. And, like I said, it wasn't that scary. Uh, you had, like I said, the fire ant thing. There was a really cool shot where they had uh, the camera focused on this ant hill. And you see these ants crawling all over it. And Josh and Sophia are in the quicksand in the background, kind of out of focus. And then later, Sophia has these fire ants or or some sort of ant. I'm assuming they're fire ants because they had a Bernie sting on her, but she was uh, being attacked by them and they used the alcohol. Uh, it was creepy and scary if that sort of shit scares you. My wife sat down to watch a little bit of this movie with me and it got to that scene and she has a hard and fast rule that she doesn't like anything with less than two legs and more than four. And as soon as she saw the ants crawling all over uh, the Sophia character, she's like, nope. And she got up and walked out of the room. I would have hated to see her reaction when the snake showed up. And we'll talk about that briefly. But, I, you know, my, my wife, she's not really down with, with those sorts of things. Uh, the thought of bugs crawling all over her really creeps her out. If that is something that really bothers you, then yeah, this is going to be kind of scary. If you're like me and it doesn't bother me that much, it's not going to be that scary or that troublesome. And there again, like I said, it only felt like they threw that in just to have Josh bring out the alcohol and we can say, oh yeah, he used to be an alcoholic and he's off the wagon now. And that played no part in the rest of the movie. And then the other aspect of this movie where they added some, some scares to it was the snake. Or at least they tried to add scares to it because there's this snake... Uh, that begins to terrorize them. It really did feel kind of hokey. Oh, it's a mother snake. She's protecting her egg because one of those eggs 
happen to fall by the quicksand pit and the big snake comes up and bites Josh. And here's where some suspension of disbelief is. It's just this is beyond my my capacity for suspension of disbelief because this snake comes rolling up to them and she says, is it poisonous? And he looks at it probably and the snake bites him. And it poisons him. Well, this this is a python. There are several species of python in the world. Not a one of them are venomous. And I would have been okay with that if they would have at some point even did some sort of throwaway line that uh, there are some crossbreed snakes in there and they, they crossbred a python with a, something else that's poisonous. And now we have poisonous pythons in the forests of uh, Colombia. Even if they would have tried, I could have I could have bought that or at least been more forgiving of this. But anybody with half a brain, uh, the people that aren't going to get that are stupid people and the world is full of them or or kids. Kids might not get that there aren't venomous pythons out there. But yeah, it was just it was ridiculous that the, the fact that that we're supposed to believe that this python is venomous. Uh, I just, that to me felt like somebody that just didn't know what they were fucking writing about. And I have a lot of respect for Matt Pitts who wrote this because he's done a lot of work on a lot of different really good shows. I mean, he did a couple episodes of Westworld. He did several episodes of the show Revolution, which I really liked. Was always disappointed when that show got canceled. He did several episodes of the show Fringe, which I which I'm a huge fan of as well. So he's written for a lot of really good shows. It was just really disappointing that some of the technical aspects of this script just weren't paid attention to. The the fact that there are no venomous pythons and you're obviously using a python as this snake. I, I did respect the fact that they used a real python for, for a lot of shots and a practical prop python for some of the effect shots, but you didn't even try to pretend it's like some other snake. I, I, I don't know. I just had a real issue with them trying to say this python is venomous. Maybe I should just lighten up but that was a real problem for me. And it wasn't scary at all. Now, I'm glad they didn't do a completely CG snake and make him flying all over the place real fast like they did in that shitty Jennifer Lopez movie, Anaconda. But at least that movie had atmosphere, tension, and built some real scares. But still, there's there's got to be some rhyme and reason to why this, this python is venomous. If you're going to make a venomous python, there's got to be a reason for it. And it has to be established why a snake that does not exist in the wild is... Is, is in the wild, and they, they didn't do that at all. The, the other thing that I found really hard to believe was the whole blood clot scene because he gets bit by this snake and it's established that you know his it's the venom starting to spread through him it's spreading through his arm it all of a sudden gets to his neck and they're both doctors so she sees it and realizes he has a blood clot in his neck josh that is and that she has to cut it out or it's going to go to his brain and he's going to have a stroke and so her solution is to take this knife that she found in the backpack of the snake hunter that they found dead in the quicksand she's going to use the lighter they found the zippo and she's going to sterilize the knife and cut open his neck and take out this clot then she's going to to cauterize the wound well as she's heating up this knife like it's she doesn't even try to wipe off the obvious clumps of dirt on this knife i'm like as a doctor you're going to cut into him. You're going to cut into your husband, no matter how much you hate him, with a dirty, mud-caked knife that is 
I dare say that Zippo lighter is not going to provide enough heat to really sterilize it, let alone cauterize the wound afterwards. But she cuts him open and takes out this clot, and he asks where it was, and she says, oh, she had to cut open his carotid artery. And I'm like, where's the blood spray? Why isn't, I mean, this uh, carotid artery is a main artery. Why is he not spurting blood everywhere? And it's like she takes the clot out and she just lets him sit there. And while she heats the knife up again to cauterize it, no blood spray, nothing, no blood, barely at all. And then she, she cauterizes it. I'm like, it's not even, it's not even close to how that would work in real life. You cut open his carotid artery with a dirty hunting knife and then cauterized it with said knife after you've held over a Zippo flame for all of like 10 seconds. There again, Felt like somebody that didn't know how arteries work or sterilization of surgical instruments work. Now, granted, I understand it's a bush operation where you're out in the middle of nowhere, but at least wipe the fucking knife off, for God's sake. And give me a reason why he's not gushing blood after you cut open this fucking carotid artery. Now, the one thing I did really appreciate was the fact, and the one thing that was apparently uh, researched, is when they fall into the quicksand, Josh brings up the fact that not a lot of people actually die in quicksand. As long as you don't flail around, the, the suction is not going to happen, and you can actually survive quite easily in quicksand water and mud's much denser than the human body that sort of thing so i I like they address the fact that with the advent of the internet you can look this sort of shit up it was funny because i was reading on imdb somebody who reviewed the movie and they obviously didn't watch the movie because they brought up this point how nobody actually dies all you have to do is look that up on the internet i'm like well all you had to do was watch the movie to realize that they already covered this and it was already uh, brought about what what really happens is people get stuck and aren't found and like the hunter before starve to death or or die of hypothermia things like that that's that's the more clear and present danger of getting trapped in quicksand so i like the fact that they while things were ridiculous and not realistic in in some regards i suppose when your movie is called quicksand you better have your shit on lockdown when it comes to quicksand but another aspect i found kind of silly i mean the idea is sound or where they're trying to get out but they don't have any rope or, or nothing to grab uh, my wife was like well why when when she fell in why didn't he just get a stick i like the fact that he looked around and there just wasn't a lot of deadfall around him all he found was a little stick that broke you didn't see a lot of deadfall it's not like well there's a big fucking branch right there why didn't he use that they really cleared the set of any fallen branches or things of that nature. So yeah, he it looked like he didn't have. The, the trees went up high before they branched out. He couldn't climb a tree to get a branch. So I like that. Uh, when it came to this rope that they were making, they were cutting up the backpack of the hunter they found in the quicksand and stringing these pieces together to try and lasso a stump. Like, I don't know, 16 feet away, 15, 16 feet away, maybe more, maybe less. I don't know exactly, but they come up short. So the answer is they kill the snake and use that as more rope. And I'm like, oh, this this rope, this backpack canvas is waterlogged. This snake is probably pushing 100 pounds. I mean, that's a big effing snake. There's, there's no way can, she can throw any of this that far, <laughs> especially... 
not having a base to plant your feet and really push off as you're throwing it. Just the physics of it all just didn't work. Uh, I appreciated it from a inventive ways to, to get out of a jam aspect, but just the logistics of it just didn't really jibe with me. But ultimately, what this movie did do right was the relationship between Josh and Sophia. They really kind of add each other's next for a while i mean they start out where she's cold and bitchy he's kind of lost puppy dog ish they get in this jam they start sniping at each other they really kind of hash out their feelings uh, not in a very over-the-top way and they you really don't get into the nitty-gritty of their relationship but some things are brought up that really make the other see the other in a different light and and find out that they do really still love each other and that they you know, he jumped into this quicksand to save her, even though she doesn't want to have anything to do with him because he does still love her. And and the realization of that and the realization that she loves him, that was interesting. And then at the end, when she finally makes it to safety, even after she's been bit by the snake as well and had to leave him stuck in the quicksand, uh, you have that kind of, uh, not a red herring, but you almost feel like Josh has sacrificed himself, told her to go without him, and that he is dead. But then they come out of the woods with him alive, and, and all is right with the world, and we get a happy ending, which, uh, I don't know. I really thought somebody was going to die, or both of them was going to die. If you're going to do a survival horror movie, I thought there really had to be a little more stakes I thought it would have been more interesting and more heartbreaking and more horrific if one of them had died in this ordeal. But the happy ending, you know, it, they were kind of building to that. These two reconciling, again, the tragedy of them reconciling and saying they love each other and then one of them dying. Would it would have? I I hate to say it, but it would have made it a better movie. It would have been made it a more interesting and more complex movie. But you know, who doesn't love a happy ending? Uh, those two kids, they'll probably be at each other's throats again in a month. But uh, until then, they're going to be uh, at least a happy family again. So ultimately, like I said, this movie was okay. The acting was really good. I really enjoyed Carolina Gaetan and Alan Hocko. I thought those two did a fantastic job. I thought Andres Beltran, I thought he did a really good job with the direction. Uh, the look of the the whole movie was a bit drab. And I think that's probably one of the more consistent complaints I've seen about this movie. Is that just that you're in these forests of Columbia. It should be lush and green and vibrant. And it's not. And I suppose that's supposed to add to the troubles of their marriage. The troubles of this area that they are in. That's supposed to be no bueno for tourists and the locals. But it's just, it's to me, it's something a lot of horror movies are doing lately is just doing this kind of drab kind of grayed out muted color palette and look to the film and i i don't know i just i, I want to see some color for god's sakes but other than that like i said uh really enjoyed the direction I thought the pacing was good uh, it, it never felt like it was going on too long in some scenes and anytime it felt like that uh they they cut and went to something else uh, I thought the cinematography was really good. The cinematographer, Santiago Otoya, did a really good job. At a lot of interesting camera angles, a lot of interesting camera movements. Uh, there was one shot where the, the camera started out upside down and it kind of revolved around till they were right side up. It was very interesting and kind of played into the topsy-turvy.
heaviness of them and the predicament that, that they were in. I thought the scene at the beginning where they're in the uh, cab and they're driving and they have that shot through the rearview mirror of them on each side and that big rift, that big black empty space in between the two of them was really telling us to their relationship. There's a lot of interesting shots in this. And even the story wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad story. And it was an interesting idea. A survival horror film, a survival thriller. I think that's probably closer to the truth and what it actually was than a horror film. But survival horror with these two people stuck in quicksand, it's, it's interesting. It's something different. I just don't think the horror aspect of it was executed. They really didn't feel like there was any stakes. They never really felt like there were any clear and present danger. The snake wasn't scary. The fire ants weren't scary. There was no other reason for you to worry about them other than just, uh, is somebody going to find them in time? And and you get this little side story where the Sebastian Slava character, Marcos, is, is trying to find them. But yeah, it just never really felt like there was any clear and present danger for them. And I think that is, that's a failing on the writing. Uh, I think there could have been some, some aspects to this movie that you could have thrown in to, to add a little more horror to it. It didn't have to be a snake, a slow moving snake. That was your big scare element of this. They could have done something different. Uh, you know, I don't know what indigenous animals there are in Colombia wolves maybe or something uh, they had the lighter they had the alcohol they could have you know uh, used the the two shells that they had in the gun they could have uh, made a fire to keep them at bay until uh, you know there, there are other elements that could have added a little more immediacy to the danger that they were in because it was established right away that if they don't thrash about they're going to be fine they're just going to sit there in that quicksand and and everything's going to be okay until they're found hopefully they're found before they starve to death that's the only real issue and you know a body can survive like three days without water longer without food i just wish a little more attention would have been paid to things like that adding scary elements adding elements that make you sit on the edge of your seat add tension to the movie to, to make this more of a survival horror put the horror in survival horror but like i said ultimately not a bad watch it's not a it's not a bad movie i thought it was an okay movie and you've got nothing else to watch and you're sitting down and you got shutter it's worth checking out like i said it's only an 85 minute movie that's probably all total once you take out credits it's even probably shorter than that but i think you'll enjoy it well enough like i said it's not going to be your favorite movie and i know there are a lot of people out there that are probably going to be a lot harsher about it than i am but i did ultimately not mind the movie it was okay it could have been better though and that could have started with the writing so there you have it those are my thoughts on the movie quicksand check it out on shutter if you'd like to find out more about what's going on with odds bodkin's curiosity shop you can check us out on facebook where we're always posting trailers and articles check us out on instagram always posting stuff on that and no matter where you listen to this podcast please subscribe to it like it follow it whatever you have to do share it with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction and as always leave those reviews five stars would be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate that so until next time thank you for visiting odds bodkin's curiosity shop we hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. <laughs>